I don't know, Keith. It's kind of a dangerous night for me. I uh, I had caffeine at ten o'clock at night, and I have an eight a.m. meeting tomorrow. And in between, all I have to do is uh, spend an hour or so recording a podcast and three or so hours editing. But uh, that that I'm I'm sure this is going to go well. I mean, I'm certain it'll go well too. Those sound like pretty close to first world problems or the first world version of dangerous night. I I don't even know what dangerous night is. I'm just saying if you're you know if you're if you're a danger, that's what passes for danger in uh, northern Minnesota, southern Minnesota, northern Minneapolis. Where do you live? Bloomington. Bloomington. There you go. You got it. Home to home of uh, the airport and the Mall of America. And what else do you need, really? <laughs> Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan. Welcome to the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, episode 239, or if you like it this way, season 13, episode 1, the one with actual football games. Yeah, the football offseason always seems like a long time, and it's 36 or 37 weeks, depending on how the calendar breaks. Nine months, give or take, since Mary Harden Baylor won Stag Bowl 46 by defeating Mountain Union 24-16 and ending the 2018 Division III football season. If you're new to the podcast, welcome aboard. If you're new to Division III football, we definitely welcome you, and welcome to the Division III football season. Keith McMillan and I are starting our 13th season on this podcast, covering this sport to the tune of 40-something additions and recordings per season so this is our game day podcast where we'll preview the week ahead in division three we'll also do a podcast every monday in this same feed where you can hear us wrap up the week that was we might be a little irreverent we might be a little newsy and depending on whenever we manage to get these scheduled and recorded we might be a little bit punchy which means uh, we should probably do introductions before we go any further i'm pat coleman the executive editor and general guy in charge of d3football.com I'm Keith McMillan, the former player, the guy in your ears who gives the pod a little street cred or sideline cred, as it were. I might be from the era of neck rolls and molded cleats from when run pass option was first, second and third down. But I'm generally hip to the game still. And Pat, if you can get me a Lord Finesse drop in there, I promise I'll show up for all the rest of the podcast this season. I'm hip to the game. I really hope that you can live up to that because I seem to remember one time last year where we had to find a, a substitute at uh, like 12.30 in the morning, but that is fine. Uh, I'll have to figure out who Lord Finesse is. If if this is your first podcast, listen to any of like the previous 20 and you can get some idea of uh, you know the, the musical worldview that I come from and the one that Keith comes from has some overlap, but yeah, I often don't know what Keith's talking about. Also, when you're talking about neck rolls, I understand that those were things that happened. I saw them happen, um, and uh, I you might be from that era. I think you are from that era, sir. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't actually wear a neck roll ever myself, um, but I didn't get screw in cleats till I was a junior as a player, and that's probably uh, – I would have loved to play the way these guys, the, the equipment they have now, uh, the, you know, the, the everything's all in one piece, the, the girdle and all that. It, the old guys listen and know what I'm talking about. Was the screw and cleats, was that like a rite of passage? Only under, upperclassmen got them, or what was the deal with that? No, I just didn't know the difference or didn't have enough to buy new cleats and then sprung for $30 Reebok cleats my, my senior year. I mean, my junior year. Re, Reebok will tell you about all you need to know, too, huh? 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, if you're new to Division Three, uh, if you're new to Division Three football, you know, just know that Division Three is not like Division One, and we very rarely will make a Division Three comparison that references something in Division One. Uh, here's the thing. The great thing is that you know we have a playoff. We have a 32-team playoff, which is awesome. It's the largest uh, college football playoff on the planet. I keep checking. That is still true. Uh, Division uh, One FCS has yet to catch up to us, but uh, they're working on it. Uh, what we have, of course, is a 32-team playoff with 27 automatic bids and just five at-larges. So know that if you go 9-1, and one, let alone 8-2, and two, you are very unlikely to get an at-large bid. I know that the, for probably 90% of our listening audience, this is not news, but for some of you, it might be, and I just thought it would be good for you guys to know that up front. I agree. The other thing that you see at uh, some of the other levels of college football is you might see a lot of you know great non-conference matchups that uh, match... Uh, two teams from disparate parts of the country. Also on a Division Three football podcast, we're going to use words like disparate, and we might make up words as well, but we'll use the, uh, we'll use the SAT words as long as we can remember them. I'm in my mid-40s, and Keith is somewhere short of that, but somewhere we might still remember words because Keith is still a journalist, and I still work with words for a living, so we'll throw those in there. But, you know, although we have some great matchups and some of them are this week, and we highlighted some of them on our uh, most recent podcast. Keith, you know, it really doesn't happen very often in Division Three. What doesn't happen very often? Did I lose you in all of the uh, twists and turns I mean, that I, the convoluted? I was following. <laughs> like the, the cross-country matchups. Like, uh, you know, you're not going to see Notre Dame versus USC in Division Three or the like. No, and, and that's honestly what makes this week one so exciting is we get to see teams play a little bit out of their comfort zone. Most D3 seasons are built around the conference schedule and these natural rivalries. A lot of times they crescendo in what we call week 11. Of course, it'll be a, a, a team's 10th game because uh, Division three teams generally play 10 games, occasionally nine. Um, and they're especially in the conferences where there are 10 teams uh, or a couple more or, or one or two fewer, most of that conference schedule is, again, the same familiar team. So you really only get one or two, uh, occasionally a few more opportunities to play these teams that you don't see normally. And for us here on the outside, watching North Central go to to, um, to Christopher Newport or, or St. John's go to Wisconsin Stout, even though those two are, are next door and a much shorter trip, to see cross-conference play, I think, is, is – um, is a big deal for us here in week one. And so that's, that's what's, that's why September is so exciting in D3. October is sort of the meat of the conference schedule and November's sort of rivalry and, and the ramp up to the playoffs. Well, you bring up another really good point about division three is that uh, there are uh, so many conferences that have 10 teams in them, which means that if you're playing a 10 game schedule, you're playing nine conference games. You have one opportunity outside the conference to show yourself to, you know, maybe add to your at-large resume or just get a, a quality win or get any games in before the conference season starts. The American Southwest Conference, uh, the Centennial, the North Coast, uh, the CCIW has joined that list relatively recently. Uh, there, are, uh, Of course, the OAC has been in that situation for quite some time. Uh, the President's Athletic Conference, there's a lot of conferences at this point where you're basically – 
you're going to get that one game in week one, or maybe it's going to be in week two. And then, you know, for the final uh, nine weeks of the season, you're going to be playing fully conference games. And I think that's also enabled the the scheduling across the board to smooth out a little bit. In other words, um, teams have their their open weeks around the same time. Before, when there were a lot of six and seven team conferences, you'd get teams with open weeks in October, and and for them to find a game to find another team that has an open week in the middle of October, uh, you know, sometimes pretty tough. And you still have that occasionally with conferences that have a mismatch or an odd number of teams, and someone has to take a, a bye week. But I mean, honestly, everybody's got a D3 opponent this weekend, with the exception of just a handful of teams. St. Thomas plays Trinity International. Wesley plays Franklin Pierce. Uh, Greensboro plays Apprentice. And, uh, and there's uh, you know one or two more on, on the schedule. But mostly, these cross-conference games are, are um, games that we as D3 fans want to see. So it can be like your, your um, you know, Wisconsin-Stevens Point at John Carroll, Wittenberg at Washington-Jefferson. Games like that, where even though you know they're not necessarily traditional opponents or traditional rivalries, you're at least seeing cross conference play between D three teams. And one of the goals of this podcast, too, the reason one of the reasons we started doing a game day podcast, which is typically on Friday morning, dropping it on Thursday because we have Thursday games here in Week One, is to kind of serve as your pregame show. If you are driving to a game and you have an hour to say when you're driving to a game. This is your uh, opportunity to get kind of caught up on what we think the big games are. So we'll take you through five games to watch. Uh, Keith and I will uh, do a little uh, game show segment where we uh, put each other on the spot. And uh, I don't know. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, we'll pick a random game out of the list out of the 112 there are this week. We'll do some one-liners and then Keith will do some predictions and we'll uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, often we also will have an interview with a coach or a player. And once the season starts, we'll have that t- uh, working in to our week two podcast. It, uh, we'll also tell us uh, tell people a little bit about our sponsor because we do have like a sponsor going here for basically the rest of the season. Keith and I are super excited about that. But we'll be back with our five games to watch in just a minute. Now it's time for our five games to watch, where Keith and I and other Division Three football experts each pick a key game from the week, and we tell you why we're keeping an eye on it. We'll go whip-around style on this, and I'm going to start us off. But my game to watch this week is number 18, Wittenberg, at number 21, Washington and Jefferson. And it's one I have my eye on for a few reasons. First of all, this is a real step up in non-conference opponent for both of these teams. And one of the things about the 10-team conferences, like we said, is you just have that one chance to prove yourself in non-conference action. Secondly, this is the only game this weekend featuring two teams which are ranked in the D3Football.com Top 25 and that is always something worth watching. And their teams rank closely together, obviously, just a few spots apart. But the third one is one that I really like a lot that will be available on ESPN3. And frankly, uh, you know, more Division Three schools should do this. This is not something from a production standpoint that is out of the reach for Division Three programs. As far as the game itself, after a stretch which included two eight and two seasons, Wittenberg had a resurgent with Jake Kennedy, a quarterback, over the past couple of years. Although one of those seasons ended in a first round home shellacking in the playoffs, and last year's team, Kennedy's senior year, went nine and one and was out of the playoffs. The president shouldn't have a, qu- a quarterback problem, however, with Jacob Adams returning, and then Jordan West comes back at running back as well. But it's the secondary that will have new faces for the presidents. All in all, this is a great matchup, which we need to see more of in Division Three football. Now over to Keith. I've got number five, North Central at Christopher Newport. 
This game was interesting enough before weather got in the way. Brock Rutter is back for what feels like his 13th season as North Central starter, and there are All-Americans both on the offensive and defensive lines for the Cardinals. Meantime, CNU was a seven-win NJAC team last season with only two three-point losses and a win over Wesley, and it has quarterback Jack Anderson back. Both teams took international trips this offseason, with CNU heading to Canada and NCC to Germany, so this should be one of the better quality Week 1 games, if it gets played. CNU had an away game in Week 3 at Frostburg State canceled last year because of Hurricane Florence. It also had a game with Wesley canceled in 2008 because of Hurricane Irma and against Muhlenberg in 2003 because of Hurricane Isabel. You guys are getting a, the theme here. Oh, that, uh, that 2003 game at least got replayed in the playoffs for a quote-unquote rematch. CNU might actually be the most canceled by weather team in Division Three. It looks like Saturday it'll be sunny in Newport News, but after a deluge Thursday and Friday, will anyone want to play? Will North Central be able to travel safely from the Chicago area? For those unfamiliar with the geography of the area, Newport News is in the part of Hampton Roads, which is a peninsula, so it's surrounded on water by both sides. Um, very susceptible to flooding and, and to getting that real big push of rain that comes uh, when the hurricanes pass up the East Coast. So it could be a big deal. And it's the type of big deal that if we take a short ride up I-64, could also affect one of our other games. Yeah, CNU has one of the few grass fields left in Division Three. Now let's throw it over to Adam Turr, who's going to talk about that game that Keith was just referencing. What better way to kick off the 2019 season than a non-conference showdown between two ranked teams both coming off of historic seasons? Number 6-ranked Johns Hopkins advanced to the national semifinals for the first time in program history, while 24-ranked Randolph-Macon notched a playoff win for the first time in program history. Both of these teams returned several top starters on each side of the ball. But this will be the dawning of a new era for Johns Hopkins, which suffered the most significant loss of the offseason. Head coach Jim Margraff died suddenly on January 2nd, just weeks after being named the 2018 D3Football.com National Coach of the Year. Defensive coordinator Mickey Raring, whose unit nearly keyed a semifinal upset of Mount Union, left to take the head coaching job at SUNY Maritime. The program is now under the leadership of Greg Chimera, who arrived on campus as a freshman quarterback in 2005 and has contributed to winning seasons ever since. After serving the last five years as offensive coordinator at his alma mater, Chimera has the unenviable task of building upon the foundation laid by Margraff. He will benefit from the return of quarterback David Tomorrow and receiver Ryan Hubley. Robert Fletcher and Macaulay Kilbane are back to lead the defense. The Yellow Jackets are even more loaded on offense, with running backs Trey Frederick and Jordan Hall, quarterback Burke Estes, and tackle Ryan Wernell. Anthony Williams and Steve McNair lead the defense. Here's where it gets interesting. Randolph-Macon finds itself in the role usually held by Johns Hopkins, entering the season as a unanimous favorite to win its conference. As the Yellow Jackets appear to have created some distance in the usually logjammed ODAC, the Blue Jays are no longer head and shoulders above the rest of the Centennial Conference. Muhlenberg, which eliminated Randolph-Macon from last year's playoffs, is hot on the Blue Jays' heels. Both of these teams are focused on the 2019 season, building on the foundation of past success without worrying about any pressure created by last year's groundbreaking season. The Blue Jays won last year's matchup big, 63-31, by pulling ahead in the second half. Expect a closer contest in Virginia on Thursday night. Now we're tossing it over to the fabulous Frank Rossi. From In the Huddle and D3Football.com, I'm Frank Rossi. Let me be the 45th person to tell you quarterback Joe Germanario transferred from Brockport to Ithaca during the past offseason. So what better time to discuss Saturday's Brockport at Hobart game? After last year's 56-7 big win by Brockport, a lot of things have changed for both teams. 
For Brockport, senior quarterback Jason Helwig takes the helm after playing back up to German area during most of his tenure with the Golden Eagles. Helwig likely presents less mobility for Brockport, standing at 6'4", but he, like German area, was an upper division transfer before coming to Brockport as he transferred from Pace University a few years ago. Helwig will need to play a smart game as his defense needs to mature quickly for Brockport to continue their streak of two undefeated regular seasons. The Golden Eagles have eight new starters on defense, although outside linebacker and D3Football.com second-team preseason All-American Alex West does return. That will make life a little tougher for the Statesman, who looked to bounce back from a 5-4 2018 campaign. Head coach Kevin DeWall has a decision to make in terms of his starting quarterback, as senior Ryan Hoffman and sophomore David Krusen both gained experience last year. Whichever starter he chooses will have a trio of senior receivers to distribute the ball to, among others. Defensively, Hobart's early season woes were partially caused by a change to a hybrid 3-4 and 2-4-5 defensive scheme that eventually paid dividends in 2018. With several key returning players on defense, including last year's leading tackler, senior outside linebacker David McCarthy, that maturation should keep Saturday's score more within reach for the Hobart offense. The likelihood for an upset against the number 13 team in the nation is low, but the Statesman should be able to gain a lot of perspective about how they've grown as a team Saturday against Coach Jason Mangoni's Golden Eagles. Back to the luster to my sparkle, Pat and Keith. And joining us here on Games to Watch this year for the first time is Greg Thomas. Week one always delivers a bounty of non-traditional interregional matchups, and on Saturday we get part two of one such pairing when East Texas Baptist travels to Wisconsin-Platteville. These teams gave us one of the most entertaining Week 1 games last year under the lights in Texas when Platteville stormed back from way behind to win 59-44. The Pioneers will be led by a trio of juniors who each had big games against the Tigers last year. Quarterback Colin Schutz begins his second year as the Pioneer quarterback after throwing for 344 yards against DTBU in his first career start last fall. 6'5 wide receiver David Allender also returns after a 140-yard effort last season. Top returning running back Bo Babich found the end zone four times against the Tigers and is back to try and add on to that total. East Texas Baptist will have a lot of personnel turnover from 2018 with just a total of seven returning starters. They do have stability at two important places, senior quarterback Brian Baca and head coach Brian Maper. Beginning his second year at the helm for East Texas Baptist, Maper provides stability for a program that has had three head coaches in as many years before his arrival. That stability should trickle down to Baca, who finally doesn't have to learn a new offense for the first time in his college career. If last year's game is an indicator, the Tigers are going to need to score a bunch of points to keep pace with the Pioneers, and Baca's ability to engineer scoring drives with a host of new faces around him will be the biggest key for Tigers' success on Saturday. If the likelihood of another offensive shootout isn't enough to whet your appetite, the result of this game may well have national implications. Playing in leagues with the division's super elites in Mary Hardin-Baylor and Wisconsin-Whitewater, the most realistic path back to the playoffs for these two teams is likely through an at-large invitation. The winning side on Saturday will very much have that avenue available, while the losing side is going to have to beat a purple power to actualize any postseason goals. All of the pieces matter when it comes to playoff selection, and this game between power conference hopefuls may well be important at selection time in November. Thanks a lot, guys. We always like to have other voices on our podcast. At some point, we were told by a member of our focus group that uh, nobody wanted to hear me and Keith talk for an hour and 15 minutes, and we took that to heart. 
Now it's time for On the Spot, which is like a game show Keith and I foist on each other each week. Each of us devises a set of questions or a puzzle of sorts that the other has to solve. I wish it were as easy to create the questions each week as I just made it sound. And uh, we also, I think, spent probably a good portion of last year just talking about who should go first in each particular week. So I was thinking... Keith, maybe I would ask you questions for odd-numbered weeks, and we'd go the other way around in even-numbered weeks. What do you think? Whatever helps you remember whose week it is. I'm not sure I'm going to remember, but that's why I have this handy-dandy notebook. Handy-dandy notebook. 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 Mm -hmm. All right, Keith, on the spot. In honor of one of my favorite non-conference games, one of my favorite uh, recent uh, made for rivalry game rivalries, the Lincoln Bowl. I'm going to ask you, Keith, to pick three teams to win where the school shares the same name as a former U.S. president or where a former U.S. president is an alumnus. Wow. So I can go Whittier or Eureka? Yeah, you know Whittier, of course, is the uh, alma mater of Richard Nixon and uh, Eureka, the alma mater of Ronald Reagan. Uh, you could use... Um, since I said alumnus and not graduate, you could use Occidental if you wanted to pick them if they were playing this week because uh, Barack Obama spent part of his undergrad there. But there are others as well. And, of course, we all know that there are schools that are named after presidents, um, and one of which has already been mentioned in this pod. Yeah, and I'm sad I cannot get a Grover Cleveland or Millard Fillmore reference into this somewhere. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to start with Franklin and Marshall, which is a um, – Franklin Pierce was a president, right? Whoa, all right. You know, I had never it never occurred to me that to think of Franklin and Marshall about anybody other than Benjamin Franklin, but um uh shares the same name as a former US president. Yeah, I have to count that. Right, right, right. Uh yeah, I don't think that is the same. I don't think that's he's the Franklin that that is the Franklin and Marshall diplomats. Um, you know, we we spend so much time, rightfully so, talking about how well the uh, Centennial Conference did last season with uh, Johns Hopkins and Muhlenberg at the top. I think there are a handful of schools that um, that got forgotten because they weren't quite playoff caliber. Susquehanna right at the top of that list. And, uh, and I think Franklin and Marshall as well. Eight-win team last season. The eighth win came in um, an uh, ECAC Bowl against Lycoming. So seven and three during the season, three point loss to Ursinus and uh, not all that competitive in the Muhlenberg and Johns Hopkins games. And that's probably why, you know, they, they didn't get any um, preseason hype, but playing Lebanon Valley in week one. So I think we can chalk that up for one of our presidentially named victories. I'm going to go really easy for number two, um, right at the top of, of the list here. And I probably, I probably shouldn't even do it because I know we're going to talk about this game a little bit later on, but but um, somewhere there's a John F. Kennedy, right? There's a John president. St. John's is uh, <laughs> is a, a team that I'm uh, very interested in seeing in week one, mostly because Jackson Erdman, the uh, the star quarterback, the the guy who had um, had the Johnnies driving with a chance to beat Mary Harden Baylor the uh, the week before the championship game last season. Um, has lost his whole entire receiving core this offseason. And so there's a lot back for St. John's. Uh, they, they're strong on defense. They, they're they pretty much, you know, loaded everywhere, except you got to break in uh, five new receiving targets. And, and I think that'll be um, a, a curious look, a, a thing to watch out for 
in uh, in week one. And then, man, I need one more president, huh? Yes, you do. All right, stall for me. Give me some time. Do, 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 do. The ball was illegally touched, but it was also re- and it was then recovered by the kicking team. However, there was a holding by the receiving team number 57. That penalty will be enforced from the previous spot. That will replay fourth down. Uh, I'd like to remind you that this is a copyrighted broadcast of D3Football.com and intended solely for the private personal use of our audience. I don't know. What else am I supposed to uh, stall with? <laughs> that was pretty good. That was working. <laughs> Any other broadcast, rebroadcasts, or use of the descriptions and accounts of this pod without the express written consent of D3Sports.com is strictly prohibited. Man, I'm excited. I, I did the um, the SCIAC preview, the, the Southern California Intercollegiate Athletic Conference for – kickoff and so i'm very up on my west coast teams uh this season or at least uh this early in the season because um a lot of the sky act teams play northwest conference teams early in the year and so i uh, kind of had to learn my way around there the uh, both conferences even though i was only previewing one so george fox i like in in week one i don't know how much i, I like them because i think redlands is going to be pretty good as well um but george Washington, right, President. I, heard I of him. first names count. I hope so. I hope first names count. It wasn't only le- wasn't only presidential last names you were putting me on the spot I for. I mean, I did um, not. I did not specify last name. I look back at what I uh, at what I said, and I did not. It shares the same name, but that's fine. Yeah. I mean, certainly, I could have. Uh, I could have, you know, gone somewhere like Washington and Lee. Um, if if you know, really, if we really had to, what actual president I think is involved. <laughs> in the naming of of that college, but that uh, their opener against Dickinson doesn't seem all that exciting. I think Redlands and and George Fox will be not only a a game that will um, give us a little hint into who's going to be competitive in each of those West Coast conferences, but those games, those crossover games between the top teams in the SkyAC and the top teams in the NWC, tend to matter later in the year when we're figuring out how many island teams are going to make the playoffs and who's got to host who. Because really, and I talked about this with some of the Skyac coaches in doing that that kickoff prep, is they're pretty well aware that their first-round playoff matchup is at the Northwest Conference champion, unless it's a year where there are uh, um, more teams on the islands where like two Texas teams make it and two West Coast teams make it, and then you know someone else makes it that has to go to Texas, and then they have to, to mix it up. Or for some reason, two Skyac teams make it. They're they're well aware that um, that that they're sort of put in that box, and that these games really from jump matter for the Skyac team. All right, so I guess I have written this down as Franklin and Marshall, and George Fox, and I already forgot who was in between. And so did you. <laughs> yeah, the, the, Franklin John, Marshall, uh, George Saint, Fox, Saint John's. St. John's, right? <laughs> I should. Well, for, this is not bad for being put on the spot, right? I, th- I think that's part of the put on the spot game is to, um, you know, to make us think a little bit outside the box and uh, and talk about some teams and games that we wouldn't otherwise. So I don't know if I did a good job on that part, but I but I uh, am happy to indulge anything that makes for a potentially 
funny moment on this podcast. Let's try to keep it moving. I'm perfectly willing to let you move it along. I'm going to let you finish. But I have to say just a couple of things here. Um, some of the other schools I was thinking of uh, were uh, uh, Rutherford B. Hayes is an alum of Kenyon. I'm glad you didn't pick Kenyon because they're playing my alma mater this week. Um, William Henry Harrison was an alum of Hampton, Sydney. I can understand why maybe that wasn't. Uh, uh, yeah, I almost don't need to say anything else after that. Uh, Allegheny was uh, the one of the places that William McKinley went to college. He also went to Mount Union, apparently. Chester A. Arthur went to Union. You might not be surprised to learn that a couple of presidents went to NESCAC schools. They do not uh, participate in the first couple of weeks or the last five weeks of NCAA Division Three football. And I'll let you move things along now. I don't know. Now I'm thinking more. I should have looked more closely at that Luther at Whittier game just because it's an interesting interconference matchup. But Pat, I, I made your uh, on-the-spot question easy. It's week one. We're both in preseason form here. I, I thought it would be kind of me to put you on the spot by asking you to pick a quarterback, not named Corman or Germanario or anyone that's been mentioned previously in this podcast or really previously in any of our major discussions this offseason uh, podcast-wise or otherwise. No cover boys and kickoff or anything like that. Give me a quarterback that's going to make an impact in week one that is not one of the players that we've previously talked about. Oh, very interesting. So, let's see. Um, I'm going to consider David tomorrow for Johns Hopkins to be one of those guys who would be you didn't say usual suspects, but uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna lump that in, and also out of respect to you, because he will make an impact when Johns Hopkins beats your alma mater on Thursday night, shortly after this pod drops. And it's tomorrow, isn't it? You gotta you gotta get that. Is it? I thought it was tomorrow. I thought we went through this. I might we have did to- go through it. And, and as the person who famously mispronounced Germanario first, I'm happy to be the guy who's correcting on the tomorrow. Okay, this is one of those some sequences shortened uh, disclaimers. Going to have to go at the bottom of the video on this. But uh, my pick in this category is going to be Cormac Madigan, the quarterback for Rippon. He's a guy who came in kind of midway through last season, replaced a, a kid who got injured, had a really impressive year. And, you know, as uh, a quarterback in the Rippon system, this is a. Uh, a uh, an offense that is really wholesale sold in and bought in on um, you know wing T or basically running the ball. There's hasn't been a lot of need for him for Madigan to throw the ball last year as a freshman. Now uh, Ron Ernst, the head coach there for the Red Hawks, uh, said in the preseason he's definitely hoping that uh, Madigan comes out and is able to throw a little bit more. But he is a, a great uh, rushing quarterback. For Rippon last year, he ran for 281 yards in a game. Now, against that was that was against Beloit, which is one of the bottom teams in that conference. But he had uh, four touchdowns against McAllister, uh, which is someone who's a, a little bit more to the middle, to the high end. It's a guy who's uh, you know had half a season or maybe a little over half a season of uh, starting quarterback under his belt. And I think that uh, you know one of the reasons that. In my uh, predictions in kickoff, I picked Rippon to beat Augsburg, which you probably, in your defense, would have had to dig pretty deeply and do some math to figure out that that was what I picked. But when you look at all the conference predictions and predicted records, you probably could have made that assumption. Uh, I picked Rippon over Augsburg uh, pretty much primarily because 
of the presence of Cormac Madigan at quarterback. So that's the guy, the unsung quarterback, who's not David Tamaro. And you you burned Jackson Erdman on me a few minutes ago, so I couldn't use him, and that's why I chose him. Well, that's exactly what I was hoping to get out of putting you on the spot. Um, you know, we'd like to we'd like to talk about the the major names across D three, and and probably us talking about it is is how certain guys become known because one of the things we like we were able to do with this podcast is to get people out of their their one conference bubble. Most of us follow our main team and then the the teams that that team plays in that conference. And and one of the best things we do as a service is sort of um, bring everything to the surface and, and make this whole 28 conference to almost 250 team division make sense. Um, I'm, I'm glad you were able to do that for the quarterback from Ripon. If I had had to answer that question, I'd have uh, talked about the the guys from Pomona Pitzer, or at least uh, that's how the Sagehens did it last season where they had Carter Oderman and uh, Edward Sias. I hope I'm saying his name right, um, as a quarterback duo. Uh, I don't know if that'll necessarily be the case a- again this year, whether they'll have two quarterbacks or one, but they, uh, the Skyac coaches are, are pretty impressed with the offense at Pomona Pitzer. And it, you know, they may have to win a bunch of 45, 40 games to win that conference, but uh, they are, I believe they're the one, they're the team in the Skyac. There's like five, four or five or six teams who've won it in the past five years. And Pomona Pitzer is the one contender this year that, that hasn't been among that group. So um, to keep that conference being very Odaki, as we would like to say, those of us who uh, who are on this pod a lot and and um, realize that that there are co- there are several conferences across the country, the Odak being the primary one, where uh, parity reigns supreme from week to week, and uh, usually means you get dusted in the first round or two of the playoffs. But the regular season is really exciting, and I think the Skyaks got a lot of that this year. I hear the roulette wheel spinning. It's a 112 slot roulette wheel and it lands on random number 108 so our random game of the week yep i don't know if that's red or black i can't remember because this is not my thing Uh, but game 108 on the list is lion versus hendrix i hate to have one that's a non-division three game that that kind of that kind of burns me up a little bit well, the funny thing is I thought I was misreading the schedule and I thought it was going to be Louisiana College and Stetson. I thought that was number 108. And I was uh, frantically trying to remember where Stetson is. It's like Alabama, Florida, Florida. something like that, right? Yeah. Lion, I think, is also in Arkansas, right? I believe that is true. If you ask me another thing about Lion, <laughs> I cannot tell you. I would be. Uh, I could tell you something. But I'd be lying. So our goal with the random game Ooh, well done. is to spin out a preview of it uh, off of uh, off of the cuff, uh, create a rivalry trophy for it. Uh, so I think the um, you know it is in Batesville, Arkansas, which as I look is not particularly nearby, but uh, nearby Conway, where is uh, which is the home to Hendricks. I'm allowed to look at the map, right? Friends, you take the Golden State Freeway to the Ventura Freeway to the San Diego Freeway until you come to the Slauson Cutoff. Get out of your car, cut off your Slauson, get back in your car. It's an 82-mile drive along uh, Route 25, so I think these are teams that are going to play for the uh, Route 25 trophy. Um, I also think that Hendricks is going to... 
is going to have a, a bit of a resurgence this year because I think quarterback health was an issue and is less of one now. You say you should have said that as a statement, but you added some some question voice inflection there at the end. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Did you like as that? though I was gonna as though I was gonna step in and correct you? Um, this is like this is what happens when we're trying to do this in week one, right? We haven't seen a single box score for anybody, so. No, and I think I think um, part of week one that I, that I enjoy is sort of having a clean slate with every team, and we don't quite know who's what yet. We all have our preconception, preconceived notions, and some of it is, is that based on returning players. Some of it is based on sort of school team reputation. Some of it and is Hendrix, based, Some of it is based on what you remember, but it was actually from two thousand eight. That's uh, not a good sign when that happens. Uh, in any case, yeah, we have no idea who who Lion is. It is a. I was. I be- I'm gonna assume it's an NAIA school, right? Yeah, that that would be the uh, logical assumption. But their opponents look like D two opponents: Texas College, Texas Wesleyan. Random. That was very random. We got Hendrick. <laughs> I did look it up. Miles Thompson missed uh, basically the entirety of last year because of injury, and he is back at quarterback. You remember Miles Thompson. He's pretty good. Moving on to the one-liners. This is five games where I throw a game, and Keith uh, throws a response. Allegheny at RPI. Alligators won six games last season, but were not competitive in any of their losses, including a 40-19 to defeat against RPI, which went on to win two playoff games, and you'd have to expect – uh, the engineers get off to a good start again this season. New head coach for Allegheny. How about Bellhaven at Millsaps? Yeah, two teams eager for fresh starts as the Blazers struggled offensively through a 2-8 and eight season. Even the game they won to close out last season was an 8-0 win. And uh, and the Majors lost 5 of 6 after a 4-0 start last year. So both of those teams eager to get off uh, on the right foot. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting replacement for the backyard brawl, but they are even closer together than Millsaps and Mississippi College were because you could basically walk from one campus to the other. Redlands at George Fox. I think this is a sneaky good game. We addressed it a little bit earlier. I think the Skyac coaches think Redlands may be the most uh, complete team in, in the conference favorite alongside Pomona Pitzer and Claremont Mudscripts. And then George Fox, I think probably a cut below Whitworth and Linfield in terms of preseason projections, but also a, a, a uh, program that was new a few years ago and has sort of been building to maybe a get-over-the-hump type of season. Keith, I can no longer hear Claremont Mudscripts sitting at this podcast recording uh, desk and not think rare font Bud ships from, which I think was an on-the-spot last year. Oh, I got to bring that one back. That was good. I was I don't remember what the heck it was, but yes, rare font bud ships. All right, uh, Alvernia at Gallaudet. Uh, Alvernia's only win last season was twenty six twenty one in the opener uh, against the Bison, and, and the Bison actually went on to win three games. But Alvernia certainly hoping to have better than a one and nine season, but to get off to another one and zero start uh, with a win in Washington. And then Keith, you mentioned this earlier, but St. John's at UW Stout. Well, I didn't talk about Stout as much. Uh, earlier, so uh, let's point out that the Blue Devils have slayed the Mayak Giant before in, in recent seasons. They beat St. Thomas a couple years ago, but you have to imagine Jackson Erdman comes out slinging, slinging it to his uh, brand new set of receivers, and the Johnnies win, even if it's an underwhelming fashion. Well, it'll be interesting to see if it is whelming, underwhelming, overwhelming. We'll find that out middle of the afternoon on Saturday. You know, you can see 
And if you're listening to this podcast and haven't spent a lot of time on the front page of D3Football.com, I invite you to do so because on D3Football.com we have uh, the schedule for every Division Three team, all 247 of them. Uh, we also have broadcast links for every game that they're posted for. There were a couple of schools that as of Wednesday morning, you know, just a few days before the bulk of the season uh, kicks off, did not have broadcasts uh, listed on their website, but we will keep checking back. Uh, even though it's a royal pain in the butt to do so, we'll keep looking for them and uh, add them to our schedule because we want you, the viewer, the listener, the reader, the fan of Division Three football, to know that you can come to D3Football.com scoreboard, get updated scores, get links to live stats, get uh, a way to watch the video, or if you're still, uh, if you're someone who prefers to listen to the audio, that's pretty cool too. That's something that I still like to do. You can do that on our site as well. Back to pass, looking in the near corner for Nap, and it's intercepted! Zahar at the goal line, returning it to the 30. We're down to the final here, the pick six. Keith picks a winner, and that's it. And we start our pick six with Salisbury at Albright. Ooh, Salisbury. Yeah, Stevenson at Curry. Stevenson. Springfield at Western New England. Ooh, I might go all road teams here. Uh, let me get Western New England now. What is the, it's the pinch and saw that they play for, and uh, P-Y-N-C-H-O-N, and saw is all capital letters. St. Norbert at Aurora. St. Norbert. Hope oh, at, sorry. Sorry, Don Beebe. Uh, Hope at Milliken. Milliken. Right, they get harder as you go. Uh, and McAllister at Carlton. Ooh. Why not, Carlton? For the book of knowledge. And that was a D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, number 239, released on September 5th, 2019. Thanks for listening and keep an eye on the rest of our week one coverage. If you like this podcast, you know, this is the thing that people say at the end of podcasts, and it's true. You can rate it in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, you know, uh, are we on iHeartRadio? If so, I hope uh, you rate it there. Wherever you get your podcast, give us a five-star rating. We would love that. It will also help other football fans find it. You can leave po- uh, comments on a specific episode on the blog page. This is on the blog on d3football.com is where it lives. If you download it to your iPhone or your Android or whatever, that is a perfectly great place to consume our podcast. You can reach us to talk more about Division 3 football on Twitter using the D3FB hashtag. You can use that all season, not just about the pod. Uh, I'm at D3Football. Keith is at D3Keith. Hey, Keith is spelled K-E-I-T-H. Fun fact. We have a message board devoted to Division 3 sports. Did you know? Join the conversation by registering the post at D3Boards.com. Also, you can follow D3Football.com on Facebook. The executive producer of the Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Our theme music is by DJ Mentos, whom you can find at djmentos.com. Thanks to our correspondents, Adam Turr, Greg Thomas, and Frank Rossi for their time and assistance putting this edition of our show together. And of course, thanks to the creator of Around the Nation on d3football.com and my co-host, Keith McBill. Okay, let me do my quick hits. Uh, before I fall asleep. There'll be a time to uh, to look at all this stuff and to reflect, but now's not the time.